0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 26th of January, 2023, and it's time to talk gaming as the Game Conference Awards have just concluded.
0: You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show.
1: Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Still no Sean Priest sadly, uh, but do you know what? He'll be back soon. I have that feeling because uh, good news is he's now home. He's returned home and he is uh, beginning his recovery after the snap on the tendon. It is, uh, I can't imagine how painful it must be for him, but uh, he is getting there. We've been sending him all your thoughts and best wishes uh, it means a lot to him. I know it really does. Uh, and also thanks for your support on the show as well. Lots of you getting in touch to say, hey, look, what can I do? What can I demo? What can I do? Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is a fun time for me doing this show, but I am not going to deny I am missing my little Sean. I am missing him. So come back soon, Sean. Uh, now, uh, today we are going to talk about games and in particular the Game Conference Awards that have just concluded uh, in fact, just last night they concluded it was a really interesting event, and it was hosted by uh, none other than Steve Saylor, the blind gamer himself, uh, also from Canada, and uh, a great representative of uh, the world and a great advocate of the world of uh, gaming from a blind point of view and, of course, promoting disability gaming and, essentially, the accessibility that comes with it. Now, I know it's a topic we don't often get into here on Double Tap, but uh, I think that should change, especially as a result of these awards, because it was all focused on accessibility. It wasn't just a part of the event. It was the whole event. So really interesting. We're going to get into full detail and coverage right now. Coming up, we're going to hear from Steve Saylor, the host himself. He is going to join us a bit later. I'm we'll also hear from one of the winners at the event last night as well. But first, let me introduce someone who has been on the show with us before recently. He was talking about gaming then. He's back to do it today, and in particular, talk about these awards. It is uh, Ben Breeners. He's known to the world, Sightless Combat. Great to have you here on Double Tap, Sightless.
2: Thank you. Great to be back. Always a pleasure to to be on uh, things like this. It's amazing to see you again. It's been a while.
1: It has been a while, I know, (laughs) and and too long, if I'm honest. And we actually, we were planning to talk uh, on the subject of video editing. A lot of people Mm. have been getting in touch with my show saying, how do you edit video when you're blind? And every (laughs) time I get this question, I think... I need to get sightless combat on here. I need to get sightless on because he knows he's got the answers to all these questions. Now, sadly, today that's not what we're going to talk about. But we we are planning, aren't we? We're working on it together. Tell me, tell the audience that that's the case, and then they'll get off my back.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is the case. There are plans in the works. I'm not going to give too much away, uh, but we do plan to talk a little more on the subject of how you video edit without the video. At some point in the
1: hopefully near future. So (laughs) look forward to that.
2: Stay tuned.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, well, look, today we're going to talk about the uh, Game Conference Awards. They took place yesterday. And uh, look, first up, I've got to say, what an incredible event, right? I mean, you know, fully accessible in every way. You've got ASL, you had BSL. um, In fact, I think signing in different languages, uh, captions in different languages. You had audio description there as well. Everything was going on.
2: Yes, so much. Like it it was the most, probably the most accessible award show I've seen, which is, well, I mean, (laughs) or not seen, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best part of it, though. Like you didn't have to see it to enjoy it. And there were no, you know, gaps left uh, empty, as it were, as to what was going on. Uh, Audio description was, you know, very well crafted and well delivered. Considering the tiny gaps that people had to describe between, so mm. <laughs> just uh, you know trying to get descriptions of people in as 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 they go, but you know of course I can't speak to the the visual uh, accommodations, you know like the the signing or whatever. But the fact of the matter was, it was a great event, and a lot of award shows could learn from this. You know, it doesn't matter how big the show, they could definitely accommodate these uh, these infrastructural uh, integral pillars, if you like, that would definitely make it easier for me and so many others to watch these shows without having to say um what's going on who's coming up what what why are they all laughing (laughs) and we do that all the
1: time don't we we're always doing this with with whatever it is i must admit this is where it's funny in the last couple of years i've drifted away from watching television movies to some Mm. extent as well I, i mean i love audio description it's the only way i can enjoy a tv or film Simple as that. Mm, But when it comes to live events, it is challenging because you just there's so much you miss, and it's as if blind people have just were never even noticed in these events, right? But this just (laughs) never comes up,
2: or at least very rarely. Like the the best part of it is though that um, you know I'm just thinking back to Chris McCausland doing uh, was it the Brits or one one of the Mm. award shows, and they they deliberately kind of hammed it up in, in the best way they kind of made, made a joke out of it in a, in a positive light which was, or well, at least I felt it was quite positive. It was, and it for, was our, for our international
1: audience, just to, to let people know, that's blind comedian Chris McCoslin, mm-hmm. who's very funny, brilliantly funny guy. Yeah, very,
2: very, very entertaining. And he was hosting uh, this Washington, event. Whatever I, I
1: can't yeah. remember, was it Lee Mack, the comedian he, he was hosting yes, with them? Uh, yes,
2: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And yeah, it was, I it was on, uh, like you say, it was the, the Brit Awards or, or something like that. And they were making this whole joke. You should check it out on YouTube, because there was this whole thing about reading the auto cue. And it was it was like he was, they were playing this whole it, go watch it it's absolutely brilliant but you know it, it's interesting it's because the the thing is that gaming does seem to be in a lot of ways and I'm noticing this myself just because of the the people I follow on Twitter the people I you know hear from and the advocates in this space people like yourself and others who talk about this that. Generally in gaming now, there seems to be a real focus on accessibility, even at events, even at live events. That was even recognized at the game awards as well.
2: Yeah, in terms of uh, you know, live events and things, you know, it's definitely becoming a focus. That you know, heck, the GA Conf Awards gave out an award for most accessible events. Yeah. So if that doesn't show you what a focus there is on it, then I don't know what will. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, Microsoft have been doing it for years. Um, you know, Bethesda have started doing it with, or Ubisoft have started doing it with their things. There's all sorts of, you know, trailers and things that have been accessible. It's just interesting, though, that even now there are still, you know, there's still inaccessibility in games. But I love the fact that the events are accessible regardless because you can enjoy the hype. I've been asked by people, oh, what's the point in having an accessible trailer if the game's not accessible? Make your trailer accessible so then I can think, oh, my God, I want to play that. And then, you know, have a look at how it might work and try and get assistance to play it if I need it. Hopefully I don't, of course, that would be the ideal. But yeah, it's it's such a great thing to see uh, a big, you know, not only the GA awards, but then the developer direct from Xbox on the same day, mere hours later, having audio description, again, of such a high standard delivered by the wonderful Janissary as well and written by her. Um, I am. I may be slightly biased. She's a collaborator of mine, so
1: you are someone who is a, a very well-respected voice in this field, and that's why it's, I'm so pleased you come on here. Because I am.
2: Oh, you're too kind. Well,
1: no, but I'm serious. <laughs> because look, I I have to be totally upfront and honest. I'm not a gamer. I'm not someone who plays a lot of games. I'm not someone who totally understands this. And I guess when I started hearing about accessible games, um, I would got very excited. Almost a little bit too excited, and people in the gaming community were saying, "Hang on a minute, Stephen, don't get too excited because it's not as it's not as good as you think it is. It's it's getting there. There are improvements, of course, but you know, mm. let's not get too excitable about it. There's still a long way to go. What is the reality? I mean, you know, obviously this award, these awards have shown great work that has been done to date. But what is the reality of gaming in your case as a blind gamer in 2023? What are the options?
2: The reality is there are still too few games that you can actually play without assistance, but it's definitely an improvement on what we would have before. So now you can play The Last of Us Part One and Two. So a game that was previously several years old and much loved uh, wasn't playable, and then Last of Us Part One came out last year with audio description and you know all the other features that were you know part of Part Two, and you know. It's, it's a matter of you can now play that start to finish without needing any assistance to do it. God of War Ragnarok came very close uh, to being fully playable, but there are certain things holding it back, which was a shame. But you know the stride from God of War 2018 to Ragnarok is absolutely phenomenal. It is such a big leap, and I can't wait to see what that team and anyone who worked on that project is going to go on to do. It's going to be... Very interesting to see where that goes. And even stuff like as Dusk Falls that released last year, that's a first of its kind in terms of, you know, a choice-based, you know, driven adventure on consoles. And even stuff like Sea of Thieves, where they're continuing to make improvements, you know, in a live service setting, which is not something you've, you know, we've seen before, really, that, you know, a game that's previously had, you know, virtually nothing, has had very key pieces added to it. It doesn't make it playable, but it makes it, sort of workable with the right people which is a a great start we're still looking though for you know more game developers to rise to the challenge of making games accessible to people without sight because i've had people you know say to me you know they're called video games for a reason go outside and get a new hobby and one person who said i work with blind people they don't play video games it's not the done thing which still years later baffles me (laughs) i cannot believe that's still
1: an attitude.
2: I know so it, it, ridiculous. it boggles my mind, but most of the time it's because people don't understand how it works in the first place, which is why I continue enjoying doing my job and loving doing what I do streaming on Twitch as part of RNIB, um, you know, showing off how it all, everything works with, you know, things like Hearthstone, which is now resurrected almost from, from inaccessibility because the mods has been taken on by a bunch of new uh, community developers, and that's going amazingly well. And even stuff like, you know, Slay the Spire. Um, so the card game thing is still happening very much, but there are developers working, I I don't doubt, on various projects that could be accessible if given the right sort of care and attention by, you know, consultants, by the team, by the publishers, and even by PR and marketing where, you know, alt text and audio description, so having images described for you via text that's built into the image itself on social media platforms, for instance, you know, those crucial things are sometimes not done when they are relatively easy to do. So there's a lot to do, but a lot has happened in, even in the past year that makes me hopeful for the future, I think is a good way to sum it up.
1: Yeah, and, and this was the 2022 awards. This was looking back at last exactly. year. Uh, you mentioned The Last of Us Part 1. It won in three categories for best, low vision and accessibility. It won for most improved. And uh, also the studio that makes the game, uh, Naughty Dog. They won the most dedicated studio award as well, which is incredible. Yeah, you mentioned God All of well War. Well deserved, of course. Um, r- no, get me. Th- let me get this one right because I, <laughs> I always struggle with these names. Was it God <laughs> of War Ragnarok or something? What's it called? Ragnarok. 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 I was close. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, it won for the AAA <laughs> Excellence Award, um, also yeah. for best in in deaf and hard of hearing accessibility. That's interesting. So obviously captioning, you know, they've put a lot of work in there.
2: subtitles, other things, directionality of audio, I think, was part of it. But the best part of it is, regardless of where you look at Ragnarok from, there's a chance you'll find improvements from your own perspective. So, you know, as a gamer without sight, the fact that I'm currently playing through it on the hardest difficulty with assistance where required is the label I'm now using, you know, for going off and finding loot that isn't featured or trackable on the main path, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, you know, so assistance were required, but I'm still playing it through on the hardest difficulty, which is a thing that I would never have dreamed I'd be able to do in 2018. So being able to do it now, even with the caveats that I can't do it all myself is just so encouraging. I'm like, I'm saying to people I'm playing on the hardest difficulty. They're like, you what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whether you look at it from the point of view of, you know, you know, whether you uh, need, you know, navigational assistance, cognitive features, or anything else, you know, there's a chance that Ragnarok, within its massive suite of accessibility, has something that will help. And, you know, I only hope that that, you know, pushes everything forward, much like Last of Us Part 1 has done with audio description and the interest in that, and Part 2 did in the first place. Ragnarok, I think, is going to show a whole other genre how to make accessibility work, at least to a point. So I can't wait to see, you know, a few years down the line, we might have accessible Dark Souls or accessible action rhythm game on consoles, which would be amazing, like fully playable kind of thing would be phenomenal. It's
1: interesting because I saw they had categories for specific disabilities. So, for example, Best Physical Mobility Accessibility Award, Best Cognitive Accessibility. Uh, I mentioned, of course, the the Best Blind, uh, Low Vision Accessibility. Is it Ever frustrating to you when you come up against a game and you think, wow, they've put a huge amount of effort into players who have cognitive disabilities and they've put a lot of work into that, but you know, they've forgotten the audio description. Does that happen? And, and what's your take on that?
2: It does happen. Um, you know, you can see where work has been done in fields other than, let's say, gaming without sight. Um, for, for an example, you know, there, there are many games where the accessibility could have been better from you know where i stand but the point is it's also important to celebrate those wins as well so even if they don't help you directly and as much as it might be frustrating knowing that it's improving for other people as well is also a great motivator because you know once they've done the work on so say it's a game that's gonna then have a sequel on the same engine like you know or or a prequel in the case of last of us where they sort of ported all the features to the the you know the prequel game which is a very strange turn of events you know even with yeah. that all the work had been done to make say the menus work and the navigation work and the auto aim and the the captions and whatever else was working so then all they have to do is improve upon it in the areas that were previously like not completely lacking but weaker let's say so you know they might improve the audio design they might improve the you know, th- they might add menu narration because all the menus are now, you know, D pad based, that kind of thing, or D pad navigable. There's all sorts of things to look at. It does happen, though, that there are games that could be playable that just aren't for reasons, which is, you know, that's going to happen for anybody really, not just whether you've got sight or not. Yeah. It- it's going to happen for any disability. But it's important to try and acknowledge those wins and be like, you know, I may not be able to play this game, but it's great that other people can. So that that's a, a positive way to look at it.
1: One debate I follow a lot on social media, and in my case, it's Twitter, and that's generally why I yeah, see these yeah, conversations like happen, is around the subject of easy mode. <sighs> now this, <laughs> now I know this starts <sighs> a huge debate every time it gets brought up, and and usually it's, it comes from what I read into this is, you know, some people looking at the addition of accessibility features, making the game easier to use, so therefore creating an easy mode. Is that the case, or is it that actually, you know, you're still able to play the game at the same speed as everyone else, but you obviously just have got more <laughs> access to the knowledge of what's going on?
2: Yeah, like, definitely. is It's certainly not the easy mode sort of rhetoric that people are saying, where, oh, just because you're adding accessibility features in, it's making it easier, or whatever, or... You know, we need to make an easy mode and only lock the features to this. That is not the case, not at all. Because, you know, if I'm going through Last of Us Part 2 on grounded, the game's hardest setting, on grounded difficulty, and then separately on, you know, a different difficulty for permadeath, you know, I still need to have those accessibility options. I don't want to be locked just to playing on beginner or very light or casual or whatever they call it in the respective game you know, just because I need accessibility features, I want to brutally push myself through (laughs) whatever, you know, like whatever I can, you know, if you said to me, you know, can you beat like, say a game has full accessibility and you can find all the loot and everything without needing assistance. Then you tell me, right, go through and beat this game just using your fists and like you're allowed to do everything else, like armor and everything. I'm like, yes, I will go through and do that if the game has the accessibility to let me. Now I know there are people who won't put themselves through those challenges, but they should be they should have just as much right to play the game, you know, with full accessibility as I do to go through and, you know, push myself to extremes. Yeah. If you like. So there's you know, if you're saying accessibility means easy mode, accessibility means even being able to play a game in the first place. And
1: yeah, you know, yeah. if
2: you think that's making a game easier than you know, try play try playing the game with your eyes closed. Well, i was going to say, you that, you it get. sounds like that's coming
1: from the same people who are saying, you know, blind people don't play video games because it's got the word Maybe. video in the title. That's that's <laughs> what it sounds like that that comes from. You know, it comes from that lack of understanding. You know, the fundamental understanding of how this how accessibility actually works for people. I mean, no one, I don't think, would ever say, or I, I imagine people might say this that using a screen reader is using Windows in easy mode I don't think anybody would say in fact if anything I'd say you need a lot more knowledge to be able to use Windows with JAWS than you would if you were using a keyboard and mouse and a screen
2: that's just funny like the idea (laughs) even the concept of that is funny I know so it doesn't work I think it it does come from a lack of understanding I think the whole easy mode thing because you know if you can play a game without needing accessibility and the accessibility features say like an auto-aim I've seen people on on YouTube before saying, Oh, this is how you make Last of Us Part Two easier. I'm like, that is not making it easier because if you've got say multiple targets, then you still have to switch targets, you still have to aim for the heads, you still have to be mindful of enemy types and other things. You can't just shoot anything in sight. I mean, not on, you know, the the even on like the standard difficulties. If you're on lower ones, maybe, but if you're playing, you know, if you want to play on the, what might at least be termed as the developer intended experience, then, you know, so like your normal difficulty, for instance, mm. the enemies are going to hit hard. They're going to one hit kill you. They're going to cause you massive problems. And particularly in a game like, like say last of us or God of war, where gear can matter, where, you know, the number of bullets in your gun can definitely matter. All sorts of things can go wrong. Even if you're playing on the lowest difficulty and, because you make one mistake, even if you've got your accessibility options on, that's not going to prevent you, your enemies from just coming in and making your your day very, very bad indeed. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, w- like. I want to also pick up on a- another suite of awards, if you like, that uh, were announced at the uh, GA Conf yesterday, and that was for Best Journalism and the Advocacy Award. And both those awards went to one guy, Grant Stoner. Uh, now, yeah. some people will know Grant because he's written for the Washington Post. He's written, he now writes for IGN. He also writes for Wired magazine occasionally as well. And he's done some fantastic work. Um, how important, I mean, journalism is is obviously a credit to him and his talent, but the advocacy, that's the bit that's important, isn't it? Getting the word out there to, let's just say, the, the, the players who aren't disabled, that it's possible for us to play.
2: Yeah and uh, i think you know for for this instance at the very least the journalism and advocacy tie in together really well because you know if you're utilizing these mainstream platforms so your igns your you know your wires your washington posts then you're getting that information to an audience that otherwise might be blissfully unaware shall we say yep. <laughs> of the challenges of even being able to play a game in the first instance so you know i feel like it's, it's great to see Both of those awards being available and, you know, in this case, one tying into the other in such a a, a sort of a clean way of, you know, journalism is advocacy in that sense. It's not always the case, of course, but in this particular instance, it's great to see that that happen.
1: Well, last night, just after the uh, awards were finished, I got in touch with Grant and I got him to give me his immediate reaction to winning both those awards.
3: It's strange. Because I always view my work as uplifting others. But that's the entire purpose of what I do. I I write about other disabled people because for years disabled people haven't really had a prominent voice in games and I always make a point to not make stories about myself but rather how those who are doing like community events or charities or how other disabled people are shaping industry. So I've always chosen to not be front and centre with everything I do, and it's kind of shocking, I guess, to be recognised for my work, because I never really wanted it to be like that. I always want others to receive the recognition for what they do.
1: But it's interesting, isn't it, because you were recognised for journalism and for advocacy, which... Although some might argue are this one and the same, they're not. They're actually quite different because you're being recognized for your talent on one hand and the other side you're being recognized for what it is you're promoting. So so that must mm-hmm. that must mean a lot to you.
3: It does. It it really shows like how far the games industry has come for highlighting disabled people and for putting them front and center for stories, videos, features, what have you. Um and for me to win an advocacy award is evident that the industry's mindset is shifting toward recognizing disabled people and their contributions. Um, it's, it's a shot, and I didn't expect to win either. <laughs> I was joking with my one friend, because uh, we were watching it together, Ben Bayless, who was also offered the Journalism Award, who is now a developer at Rockstar Games? Ben is a, an amazing person, um, and we were joking in the chat before. The, well, I was like, "Oh, you 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 got this? You're fine. You're doing this. you were the editor in chief of Tab. You're fine. You run this." And they were like, I was like, "No, no, it should be you. <laughs> it should be you, Ben." <laughs> but, um, but it was you. He loves me, yeah.
1: So, I mean, great to hear Grant there, right? And, and again, great wor- work he does in journalism and advocacy. A-, a worthy winner, I'm sure you'd agree.
2: Yeah, definitely. Most certainly, Grant's been around for a long time in various capacities. I've run into him virtually on, on numerous occasions and had you know good interactions with him. And it's you know clear to see he's passionate about what he's doing and he's doing a, a great job of it as well, of conveying the need for accessibility. The ever present need, you know, it's not going to go away. (laughs) If anything, it's going to get much stronger as time goes on, as, you know, the population ages, as, you know, people who could play games 30 years ago now can't play games because the accessibility is not there or any number of other reasons. So it's great to see such a a well-deserving winner, um, you know, get that, that title, uh, that award.
1: So the accessibility of the games themselves is one area. The advocacy, telling people about why it's important accessibility is in there, is another. These were all themes coming through. There was another, though, which stood out for me. And, and there were many categories that were, were brilliant and, and very you know, well-deserving winners. But one in particular that stood out was Best Representation. And mm. this was an award to really, I guess, promote the use of disabled characters in gaming. And the winner yeah. in this case was just dance. Uh, again, dancing and, and Stephen Scott are not words that t- generally <laughs> sit in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> but if I was going to, then, you know, that would be cool. And in this case, it was uh, it, it, there was a 2023 uh, version of the game uh, and it had uh, a wheelchair user that was featured in the game that yeah. someone would, I guess, watch and then feel, hey, I'm represented.
2: That's important. Definitely. And uh, I think the interesting thing is, you know, I've been discussing representation in... Bursts for a long time. I I was part of a panel on... In, yeah, I was part of a panel at EGX on representation myself a few years ago. And the interesting thing to note is representation is still a much neglected area uh, in terms of, you know, getting characters in that feel, you know, that make a player feel like they belong. Yeah. You know, for instance. So you've got, like, blind characters, for instance, in games like Perception, Beyond Eyes, even franchises where... Uh, you know, enemies are blind, so Berserkers in Gears of War is the classic one. Um, and there's probably others as well. But the point being, they are mostly seen as, you know, flattened, one-dimensional characters. Uh, you know, I've never been able to play as a blind character in a mainstream game uh, yet. You know, not at least not that I can remember. And, and that's the thing. You want to be able to sort of know that's the thing you can do. So if somebody came up and asked me, can I play as a, a blind character or somebody with no sight in a mainstream game? I'm like... I eh, I can't think of any examples where you can and have an accessible experience the same as everyone else, which is the key thing. You know, if the accessibility is there and the representation isn't, you know, that's one way of looking at it. But if the accessibility isn't there and the represent- representation is, that's also a problem. So you want those two things to be, you know, looked at together. And I think that's what this award is trying to promote. It's trying to show, you know, accessibility is great. Representation needs to be a part of that. Yeah. Conversation, so it's good to see that being, you know, promoted and put forward.
1: And in a weird way, it could kind of—I mean, I, I could imagine playing a, a disabled character, a blind character, in my case, in a game, and then essentially all the accessibility I would need. In the real world, become available in the game, right? So exactly. you know, I could turn on audio description on the TV whilst I'm not <laughs> shooting, you know, hordes of people to death or whatever it is you, <laughs> you do for fun in these games. Um, you know, so <laughs> you, you but, could yeah. enable like, essentially the accessible experience. Like if you had a if you had a, a device that you had to use, like a phone in a game, it would talk to you, right? It would give you audio feedback that you know that kind of thing, just to kind of sort of complement the experience. Really. Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And and I think I feel like there's definitely uh, you know a, a way of looking at that as well. You know, there's been sort of speculation about a daredevil game for years. Oh yeah, and I've been yeah. thinking if you make a daredevil game, and you make it playable, you know, with accessibility features, you know, you could even do it so that there is a deliberate mode where, you know, you can turn it on as an option where you don't see anything, maybe, or mm. you see. You see only a limited subset. You see the only, only the information that is, you know, Daredevil is privy to himself through his senses. You know, so it's like limited HUD UI, challenging sort of optional HUD, uh, which would be very interesting. So I feel like there's, I mean, Daredevil is one example. Better, but right? That's better, right? That's
1: better than having, say, for example, a blind drive game. Not that there's anything wrong with blind drive, but that no,
2: blind drive's is a great game. It's
1: a brilliant game. But, but <laughs> what you don't want, I guess, is. You, you kind of want to layer over the experience on the existing game rather than creating a whole other game. Different for I'm using Blind Drive <laughs> yeah. as an example, but what I mean is, if it was a game like Last of Us Part One, you wouldn't want a blind version of that. You would want to just play you that want game. The,
2: you want the same game as everybody else. That's the main thing. Like even with stuff like I'm thinking of, you know, like hero shooters or things like that, doesn't mean you couldn't have a blind character. Like say in a sci-fi setting. You could you could have a character you know who's got sort of not necessarily Geordie LaForge levels in Star Trek where it's just absolutely ridiculous but to a level where you know through accessibility elements it still works out the same way or you know it could be like ability stuff there's all sorts of ways to do it even in like fantasy settings or you know the for lack of a better word the mundane settings as well you know like sort of modern day where you're wandering around with a cane you're using a phone, you're, you know, getting in a driverless car. I don't know. There's all sorts of things that you could do. And even even stuff like, you know, rock climbing, you know, maybe free running, like acoustic rifle shooting, archery. There's all sorts of stuff that, like, people with no sight can do and do that would probably amaze people who have sight. And they're like, how does this work? But being able to normalize that in a game setting... Yeah. would be would be great to see,
1: and it's it's such a, a great way to advocate without advocating. If you know what I mean, it, it, it kind of just does it. It becomes part of you know that person's experience that they just see what the capability is without really exactly. thinking about it. It, it is incredible. Um, how important for you is it? These games exist. It's an annual event. How important is it for you that they are they are present?
2: I feel like it's crucial that these events happen. Um, so things like the GA Confer Awards need to keep happening but it'd be better if you know they could also be integrated into other shows as well potentially so the game awards you know there were there was an accessibility award but wouldn't it be great if you know it was part of the same show so that then you know the 85 million or whatever it was viewers would then see oh these games are improving in accessibility because you know the greater the audience you open it up to you know, the, the more potential it has to, you know, increase promotion, PR and just conversation around accessibility. But, you know, nevertheless, having it be such a slickly presented show with, you know, a, an amazing line of presenters, which, you know, I I, I was honoured to be featured as a part of uh, alongside amazing individuals and uh, a great host in the form of Steve Saylor, of course. The fact of the matter, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, award shows, as I said before, can learn from this. You know, trim it down to what you need and just go with it. You know, throw throw all the information at people so they know who won in what, sharing that hype, sharing that excitement. And, you know, being able to earn these awards should be a catalyst for people to reach for it. So, you know, if, say, you know, a publisher or a studio or a developer wants to go for it, that should be a an encouragement, a bolstering force, if you like, to say, you know, why are you doing this? I'm going for the GA Conf awards. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. it's very much a, a cornerstone of that. And it's great to see GA Conf evolving from a conference now, not just into a conference, but an award show as well to showcase all the hard work that goes on throughout the year. Accessibility isn't just Global Accessibility Awareness Day in May. It's not just World Site Day in October. It's not just any of those things on their own. It's all year round for everybody. Like you could wake up tomorrow morning and not have any sight for whatever reason, or you could wake up tomorrow morning, not being able to hear out of one ear. You could, there's all sorts of potentially horrible scenarios you could go through even for a temporary time, but you will need accessibility to get through those. And without things like the GA Conf Awards showcasing how accessibility is improving, sometimes you wouldn't even know that it is without that information being disseminated. So it's great to see it being pushed for and constantly, you know, getting bigger and bigger.
1: Sightless Combat, great to have you on the show. Thank you for what you do. And uh, I really look forward to talking to you again soon, especially on the subject of video editing. Looking forward to
2: that. (laughs) I know you're excited about that. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And if anyone wants to find me, you can find me on Twitter, at Sightless Combat, S-I-G-H-T-L-E-S-S-K-O-M-B-A-T, also on Twitch and YouTube as well, and my website sightlesscombat.com, and or you can uh, and you can also reach out to gaming at rnib.org.uk as well if you want to know what the organisation is doing in terms of you know current and future gaming endeavours.
1: Great to have you on, Sightless. And uh, like he says, there's lots of ways you can follow him. You can uh, follow his streams online as well, the work he does with RNIB, which we will get into more detail in uh, the next few weeks and months with Sightless. He is coming back, as I say, to talk about video editing as well. Really looking forward to that. Now stick around. The host of the Game Conference Awards, Steve Saylor, the blind gamer himself, joins us next right here on Double Tap.
0: Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com We'll be right back This is Double Tap
1: Now, back to the show Great to have your company today Hope you're enjoying the chat about gaming It's very interesting, isn't it? Learning about how games like you know the ones we've been talking about today AAA games, the big games that all the kids are playing, and some adults too, they're accessible. They're becoming more accessible. Now, yes, like Sightless said earlier, it's not perfect yet, but it is getting there. And the fact is that the games companies, they are listening to disabled people, they're engaging with us, and that can only be to the good, right? More of these console games are becoming more accessible And that, you know, leads on to all kinds of interesting conversations about what the future will be in terms of virtual reality and how augmented reality games will work and will we be able to play them. Well, look, if the companies themselves have finally got it in their heads that accessibility matters, then you have to hope that that will feed into all that. So very interesting. But uh, we are, of course, talking about the Game Conference Awards and they were hosted by uh, the man himself, Blind Gamer from Canada, Steve Saylor. And he joins me right now here on Double Tap. Great to have you with us here, Steve.
4: It is absolutely a
1: pleasure, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me on again. I love coming back onto your show. Oh, I really appreciate that, man. And uh, you know what's great? Uh, I got the chance to watch the event. And it's funny, because I was saying earlier to Sightless Combat, you know, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world. But I was really excited about the event last night. And I think it was because, it was all about accessibility. So I felt like... I was kind of with my tribe watching people who, you know, can can get it and and you know, can actually play the games and every everything I'm hearing about I can take part in. That was I think for me the big <laughs> deal. You were hosting, which was amazing. Yes. Uh, I don't you. even need to ask how you got the gig because why wouldn't they ask you? would be my first question.
4: <laughs> you know what? It, 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 I, uh, I love Ian and Tara who run the, uh, GA conference, uh, every year. That's what it was, uh, initially part of, uh, the game accessibility conference that is run, um, twice a year, w- uh, one in North America, one in Europe. I believe actually the next one is in the UK in April. I That's believe. London, yes, so it, that'll be uh, yeah. really cool. Um, but UK or Paris. I can't remember. I apologize that, that I should have, uh, should have gotten one of the, the, uh, the, the 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 plot points for uh, for even <laughs> beforehand but no uh yeah I I love working with them and and they asked hey would you want to be able to to host this thing and uh and I was like do I have to leave anywhere and they're like yeah nope and I'm like perfect good let's do it
1: <laughs> I could do it
4: from my
1: room is oh yeah the oh was, I
4: was wearing a suit but lo, lo, no one really knows <laughs> behind the scenes no exclusive <laughs> I was wearing pajama pants the entire time so. <laughs>
1: That is the best thing about doing virtual stuff, right? You can top half, yeah, can be exactly. Beautiful. I should
4: I should clarify pants. It's different in the US and in the UK. I was wearing pajama bottoms, not exactly. <laughs> yes, please, not just
1: boxers. <laughs> please clarify that because yes, yes, my audience might be a little bit confused. Um But no, it's it's really interesting because you got the chance to host this, and I guess for you it was a kind of like a I guess a culmination of a lot of the work you've been doing for a long time. You've been doing some amazing work. I've been following you. And, you know, I remember you standing outside the Eaton Centre in Toronto with that huge sign, that huge billboard, which had your face on it. And, you mm-hmm. know, your face on the image, I could tell, was just beaming the same way, right? That and that mm-hmm. was work you were doing with Xbox, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, I had been doing some uh, projects here and there with Xbox, uh, and and that and that billboard actually was uh, via Twitter. Um, Twitter had this campaign going on uh, at the time. It was sort of like uh, l- l- like basically tweet into existence, and it was sort of a play on like different celebrities. Like Simu Liu uh, had uh, had tweeted out saying that he wanted to be Shang Chi, and then it's it was a uh, and then he actually became him, and so the whole campaign was like take the tweet, and then they sort of a uh, showcase that okay at uh, this actually Happened, and so I figured out one day I wanted to work with Xbox, and there was a photo of me basically working with Xbox. And and I will admit, seeing my face at like in uh, a, a skyscraper sized billboard <laughs> was uh, was a sight to see in a in a very snowy January of last year. So uh, that was never thought I would be
1: on a billboard someday. So I, I, I could I could check that off as a, a thing I didn't expect to happen in my life. <laughs> see, that's the joy of radio for me. I just I, I no one needs to see this face, and you know I'm quite happy. See, with I that. thought
4: I had a face for radio, but apparently. <laughs> (laughs) I got a face for a billboard, so I'll take what I can get. No, you're a a
1: superstar (laughs) these days. Um, So, the games, the Game Conference Awards, as they are, um, tell us a little bit more about the history of that and, and how that came to be from your point of view.
4: Well, uh actually uh how my sort of how the involvement with it happened was um initially um dot uh, caniplaythat.com which is a, a great site for uh for talking about accessibility we they do a lot of accessibility reviews and previews and news. Um it was uh we always had uh, the, the site always had like this yearly awards uh given out to the best of uh, of accessibility throughout the year. Um and uh and and uh due to basically um we were like uh they weren't able to run it th- uh, this year so So um, we were in they were in talks with the GA conference and they were like, hey, could you be able to uh, take this and run with it? And uh, it just totally made sense. It was a perfect partnership between uh, uh, Can I Play That and and Game Accessibility Conference. And it's and with all of what a game accessibility conference had been doing over the past multiple like multiple years of running these conferences, talking about accessibility and building a community of game developers and just uh, accessibility advocates, it just seemed like a perfect fit uh, to uh, to honor. the games that we've been talking about, and having developers on to talk about their games, uh, and it just it, it made sense to uh, to highlight and celebrate uh, the amazing work that is being done uh, in the accessibility uh, community, or uh, and all the accessible games that have been put out uh, just within the past year.
1: And Of course, all this really does is promote this to other gaming companies who might be thinking, "Okay, is my game accessible enough?" And if mm-hmm. not, making it accessible. There is a reality with this, though, isn't it? That there? there is a time, there is a time lag from the the period where we want to talk about games becoming accessible, and then them mm-hmm. actually becoming accessible. And I guess sure. The Last of Us Part Two, and then The Last of Us Part One, becoming more accessible, is a good example of that, right? It takes time for them to to build this in because of the length of time it takes to build the games
4: oh 100 percent and uh we we kind of always had said uh when the last was two came out and it was getting uh rightfully so all the accolades that it was getting for for its accessibility um that w- th- this was going to be something that um that we still have yet to see the impact of mm. in uh, in regards to the industry uh I I, I kind of said at the time it's gonna be about in between five to ten years when we can actually get to a point where majority of of developers and studios are putting out games that are uh, as hopefully as close to being as accessible as the last of us part two. Uh, so we like, we're still kind of in that middle period where they're like, the good thing is, is that now studios understand the why accessibility is important in their games. And now we're just figuring out the how. And so, in and because every game is different, every sort of, Studio is different, in, in what their experience come uh, comes in, and uh, who they need to be able to bring in to uh, help with that, or what the what the process is. So we're still in that kind of like flux period, but we are starting to see some gems and some highlights of games that uh, are doing it and doing it well. Um, from from indies all the way up to AAA. I mean, it's it's really cool to be able to see. It's not just the big boys that are uh, that are making uh, accessible games. It's the uh, it's the indie developers too. Like there's some in some cases they're able to put in. More uh a, a great accessibility content into their games uh, more than uh, uh, than the triple A's can. So uh, it really is a great time in the industry to to be jumping in on on accessibility. And the m- the more time passes, the more games that come out, uh, the more accessible uh, the the gaming industry would be.
1: Yeah, I heard you say this at the awards itself, and I heard you talking about the fact that it's good that we celebrate the indie developers as well. Because oftentimes the suggestion is that you need lots of money, you need lots of resources to make this mm-hmm. happen. but like you're saying, a lot of it is just often just thinking about accessibility, understanding what's what's needed to be in the game, and that is partly about talking to the community, right.
4: A hundred percent. It's because it, they're the ones that are going to be playing it for, uh, for, so that getting that community feedback is important. But also it, you can't uh, uh, just sort of uh, sort of slap on an accessibility option and be like, OK, good. Now, now our game's accessible. It's not as simple as that. There are like even. Like as I've often said, is that disability is a spectrum that than it is an on-off switch. And even with someone that has the exact same disability, their two lives could be completely different. Uh, I have a friend of mine, James Rath, who is a, a blind YouTuber. We both have the same condition. We both have nystagmus. We both have albinism, and we we have the exact same experiences, but we both have different uh, uh, different sort of blindness that um, make like he has to uh, use a, a cane all the time, whereas I I don't as often uh, he has to, he's looking into getting a guide dog, whereas I don't need one. It's so even with that in and of itself, it just kind of shows the diversity of uh, disabilities in that sense. So when you have uh, when you when studios bring in the community to basically say, hey, can we like what is what does this game feel like? What does this game work like? It's sort of allows us to kind of uh to sort of showcase here's our day-to-day experience and not every disability is different so the more options and the more customization you can give into a game the better it'll be
1: there are so many names and a lot of them i know a lot of them i don't because i'm not as plugged into the community as you are but you are one of those names i know ian hamilton grant stoner Mm -hmm. of course we talked to earlier sightless combat as well who we spoke Mm to you know there are many names who are brilliant advocates and it is so impressive to me how this movement has really changed things, and what I would say is a fairly what feels like a short space of time when you think about the challenges we have in other areas, like, for example, accessibility to you know appliances or television, you know other areas just don't seem to get that I don't know that groundswell you know behind it that, that gaming does. Is it the nature of gaming that it's a community in itself that helps drive forward the innovation we've seen?
4: I think so. I mean, the, the 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 main part of why video games uh and and why there's a the big sort of push in accessibility in video games is that video games is inherently a social uh, medium. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different than than it is with like TV or radio or movies where it's a very passive sort of experience when you go to experience that type of entertainment. With video games, it's very interactive. Like you're interacting with the game, but as as uh, multiplayer games have become sort of the norm and with games like Fortnite and Call of Duty Warzone and, uh, and a lot of like multiplayer games, it's become, and especially over the pandemic, video games was a, an amazing way for us to be able to connect with each other from anywhere around the world. And so as it being a social medium, it allowed us to be able to, as accessibility community, to be able to kind of get together and be like, hey, we just want to, Play games and play games with our friends, and uh, it kind of goes back to to when we were all were kids, where we just want like when when your friends are kind of playing off in the playground, and it's like I want to join in too. Yeah. And 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 the problem is with video games is that oftentimes we can't. And even growing up as like uh, as someone with disabilities, it's like sometimes you can't play with those friends. So it is kind of a uh, a, a sort of a disappointing experience when when you can't join in and and have that social aspect um, and. That was one thing I, I really started to appreciate over the pandemic, uh, was that, um, a lot of, a lot of ways I was able to connect with, uh, with friends and just, and brand new people, uh, within the accessibility community was literally being able to play video games. And so, uh, I, I think that as we started to connect with each other, the more and more we, we were like, okay, you know what? Our voices definitely need to be heard and, and the louder we
1: became. So where does it go next? Because it felt like we were you know, getting one announcement a year and then suddenly it was maybe two or three games and it seems to just be ramping up in, in terms of hearing more accessible games coming out. Is that the sense you're getting? Do, do you feel that? <laughs> yeah um it is
4: it, it, it definitely it, like it, the, it is ramping up for sure um like the train is 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 kind of leaving the station uh and it's just like we're starting to kind of gain some steam which is uh w- which is great and uh the as more and more games kind of come out and the more uh, uh times that that it comes up with like when people are talking about accessibility not even just within the community but outside of it and just sort of the jam- general gaming public we'll start to kind of expect Games to be uh, like accessible, and I think that um, the, in the future, I, I I still I'm in that kind of prediction. It's like we still get to sort of see the the full true impact on the industry that uh, The Last of Us did with, with that Naughty Dog was able to do with that game. Um, and uh, but I I think that we're kind of in that we're starting to see what that future holds and there's and there's quite a few games that are coming out uh that are coming up for Xbox that uh that have a very strong accessibility uh core to them. Uh PlayStation has just been uh killing it with all of their uh their games as of as of late like their like all their first party games have been amazingly accessible uh and we'll see that uh hopefully this year with uh with Spider-Man 2 coming out uh, this year uh, and, and Insomniac has done a great job with accessibility. Um so and they're having their accessibility controls as you talked about earlier uh, a, c- a couple of shows ago about Project Leonardo, I, I-, I think it, the future is 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 bright. It's it, it, so, in some cases, in some days, as being in it, it could be slow, yeah. slower than we would like. Than we would like, but it, it's it, in all intents and purposes, when you kind of look at it, it's like yeah, we've kind of grown a lot, um, even just within the past two years since uh, since the Last of Us two came out, which is so weird to say that it's been two <laughs> three two years since that game came out already.
1: I know. <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, so okay, what's next for Steve Saylor? then what what are you doing now because you you're uh, you're deep into this now right so you could be running sure. naughty dog at some point i have that feeling <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for me, it, uh, it's kind of twofold.
4: I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of content creation, uh, kind of really talking about and, and doing more reviews uh, of video games. I feel like that that is, uh, is kind of still needed. Um, and there's not really a lot, a lot of uh, uh, creators that kind of focus in on that. There's amazing accessibility creators, uh, but uh, I feel like I have the kind of, I can, I, with the professional radio background that I have, I feel like I can be able to talk about that. So I'll be doing a lot more uh, reviews of games. And then I, I'm also still so consulting. I uh, can't say which games I'm working on yet, but one that I'm working on right now, actually, I can say is that I'm currently the accessibility consultant for the Call of Duty franchise. Wow. So we'll start to see uh, with uh, the next little while uh, of stuff that uh, I'll be working on. Uh, that'll be making basically my goal is to try to be able to make a Call of Duty as accessible as possible. So and and that's one of the biggest franchises in video games. So if I can, if I fingers crossed that the, me and the team could be able to work on that and make it possible, then, uh, then that just makes it ac- uh, accessibility even expand even more to the general gaming public than before. So, um, yeah, just that's, that's it's kind
1: of just kind of going with the flow and seeing what happens. <laughs> Steve, it's so good to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Remind people where we can find you and where we can follow you online.
4: Sure, yeah. You can be able to go to uh, stevesailor.net. Uh, that's where uh, I'm mostly at. But if you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Sailor or on YouTube at Steve Sailor or
1: on blind gamer Steve. Steve Sailor, thanks so much for coming back on to Double Tap. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And like Steve says, follow him online, follow him everywhere you can get him. That's it for us today, though. I am out, but uh, back tomorrow with more of your feedback on a wide range of topics you've been emailing in. Keep that feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com or call our listener line, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. 803 4567 Catch you tomorrow.
0: Love Double Tap. Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash double tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too.
1: Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada watch The Pulse on YouTube, or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.